really excited for us to look closely at the heart of God as our mother on Mother's Day. I come from a tradition where Mother's and Mother's Day was like a big deal and we celebrated the women in the church who got who had babies and it felt like they were like this special class of women and that always frustrated me because I know that they are that Mother's Day is tender and tricky for so many of us. But today I want us to think about mother and motherhood as connected to God and how God can be our mother to us in our times of grief, in our times of joy, in our times of hope. And this change for me is thinking about God as mother and thinking about how God engages with us as mother um, really started in the fall of 2016. I felt incredibly broken, like my friend Rachel. Um, I felt broken even though I knew that I was beloved because my husband and I were in a church that was pretty toxic. The leadership in that church was a, was a pretty unhealthy leadership. And I was angry. I was angry at that church. And then I was angry at the idea of being a part of a church. And I was angry at God for leading us to that church. And I felt really mistrustful of Christian leaders. And I was just burnt out on expectations. And I was just so done. So done. And that's really hard when you're 16 years, when you were 16 years old, you committed your life to God and you said, I will be in ministry for the rest of my life. And then like, you know, 20 years later, you're like, mm, God, actually that thing I said, nope, I'm over it. So over it. TC was an associate pastor at that church and um, he would come home usually overwhelmed or emotionally beaten up. And we lived a good 30 minutes away from where our church met. And LA was such a commuter commu uh, community. Like, uh, I came from Boston where I could see my friends and spend time with my friends because they lived five or 10 minutes away from me. But LA was a whole different animal of building relationships. And so I constantly felt alone because my best friend lived an hour away. And so we would literally have to plan like once a month, we were going to spend the whole day with each other. And how do you build an ongoing, life-giving, show up at your door with a meal relationship when you have to buffer in an hour in the hellish traffic that is LA? Everything in that season felt forced, and everything in that season made me weary, and everything about that season just gave me such a tenderness um, for people who say, you know, I really, I'm down with Jesus. I like the teachings of Jesus. I, can, I, I, I even like reading the Bible, but Christians in the church, I'm done. I don't want to be a part of a local community. And that all came ahead for me when TC, after a month of discernment, and I, um, and talking to our trusted mentors, just realized that that church system was going to take longer than we were willing to wait out for it to get healthy, for it to get better, for TC and I to feel like we were in a life-giving, healthy environment. And so with the blessing of, that team, of the leadership team, we, re we left. He resigned, and then there was nothing. Like the first Sunday after he resigned, we had no church. We, at that point, had no calling. We had no ministry. And I felt completely disconnected from the God who had called me into ministry and the God who I always trusted to care for me in hard times. The day we said goodbye to our church in LA, I sat in my car after dropping my kids off at school and I cried because all of my life, church was a safe place. And now I felt like one of my friends, felt like as one of my friends described it, as spiritually homeless. I didn't know who I belonged to. I didn't know that I could trust God anymore. But then enter Pasadena Mennonite. Pasadena Mennonite 
was a church led by a couple, Tim and Marianne Reardon, and they hosted these cool things like letter writing parties to politicians, and they opened the pulpit to women face to a woman facing deportation to tell her story. They partnered with a thrift store that supported peace and justice initiatives by staffing the store with volunteers and going together to shop at a thrift store. I'm almost, I'm almost always down for going to shop with other Christians. It's fun. And they had weekly snack time after church and potluck at a friend's house. And within a week, we were invited to so many gatherings as we started to do life with Pasadena Mennonite. And then entered the week that changed the, my life, that brought me back to a new understanding of who God can be to me. The week where we read a liturgy that started out with the phrase, Mother God. Now, I am from the South, and I am from a deeply evangelical uh, uh, tradition where thinking about God as Father is just intuitive. That's just what you do. Like, you don't play around with the titles and the words connected to God. You don't throw in some new idea about God. And so me sitting in the pew in this community that I love that was finally accepting me, and then I'm looking at this liturgy that says, Mother God, something in me shook. Something in me had to ask God, is this a reckoning moment? We are about to start a series next week called D DTR, where we are talking about relationships. And uh, DTR, for some of you who don't know, is, it's an it's a acronym for def defining the relationship. And this was a DTR moment for me with God, because I was looking at the relationship that I had with God, and I was completely unhappy. And God was saying, I want to show you another dimension of our relationship. I want to define something new in the way we would connect to each other. I want you to start thinking of me as Mother God. And as we said those two words, maybe three or four times that morning, Mother God, Mother God, Mother God, something that I had been missing started to click into place. I started to not, I started to wonder, did I feel unsafe because of the ways that I was conceptualizing God? Did I feel unsafe because I, I wasn't connecting to a God that made me feel seen and known? And so I sat in that pew and I said, Mother God, Mother God, Mother God. And I asked myself, could I really trust God to be my mother? Could I really give up all of the tradition and all the things I was so used to of saying God the Father and thinking of God from a masculine perspective and allow myself to think of God as my mother and allow myself to think of God from a feminine perspective? And so I got home that evening and I said to God, I was reading over that liturgy again and praying and I said, okay God, I think I need to relate to you for the next year as mother. Like I'm not gonna do this forever and ever, amen, because that's scary, but I'll give you one year. If you keep putting this word in front of me, I'm gonna give you a year and I'm gonna connect to you as mother. And when I pray, I wanna call you mom. And when I worship, I wanna call you mama. And when I know, and when I need to know that you love me like a mother loves her child, I'll call you mommy. And I sense the spirit say to me, I just want to be your mother. And if that's what you need, I will mother you in this season. I felt so scared and so alone when we left our church, but in that moment when I trusted God to be Mother God to me, I began to feel safe. So safe that over the course of that year, I really started working in the idea of praying to God as mother that when something, when a crisis happened in my life, when a friend of mine was sick, I tweeted this prayer. I said, Mother God, place your healing hands over Rachel as she's weaned off the coma medications. You've heard our cries for your daughter and you've wept too, so now we lean into your infinite love. 
wisdom, and care for our sister. We ask you for complete healing. Praying to Mother God and trusting the mother, the mother heart of God when my friend was so very sick helped me kind of get my brain around like what is prayer and what, who is God to me and who am I as a believer in hard times. Mother God was precious and so powerful to me that even when my friend passed, I knew I was not alone. And so today we're going to go through my year of praying to Mother God. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lay down sort of the theological foundation for why it's okay for us to pray to God as mother. Like, what do we do with that instinct in us that says, mm, no, that doesn't feel right. I'm going to lay some of that down, and then I'm going to go through sort of the top four things that rose up in that season that points us to the mother heart of God. Because I think if you're like me, the idea of praying to God can feel a little dangerous. And so I kind of want to speak to that and invite you to maybe have a DTR moment with God, find a new dimension with God as our mother. So if you'll join me in prayer. Mother God, you love us and you nurture us and you care for us and you're passionate about us. And so as we come to you, Lord, we invite you to care for us in that deeply intimate and personal way. Let the words that I speak be the words that you would want my friends to hear. Let the words that I speak honor the mothers who have been so meaningful to my, in my life. And let your spirit draw us closer to you. In your name, amen. Okay, so when we think about God as our mother, some of us, like I said, might feel like, oh, that's dangerous. I don't know what to do with that. Like, God is always like Father God. Like, that is how I've always conceptualized God. And I totally get that instinct. Like I said, I was raised that way. To be clear, when we talk about God as mother, we are not somehow turning God into some sort of goddess. We are not moving into some new agey stuff where we get to define God however we want. Like if tomorrow we wake up and we say, you know what, God, I just really need you to be like a one-eye, one-horn, like a blind purple people eater. Like I just need to conceptualize you that way. So like when I pray to you, I will pray, oh, purple people eater God, please look upon me mercifully with your one eye and skewer me not with your one horn. <laughs> we're not asking that we're going to completely like shift the way we think of God to whatever makes sense for us in that moment. No, God does want us to know us, want to, us to know him exactly how God is. God wants to... Um, be in a deep and life-giving relationship with us. And so in scripture, God gives us indicators of who God is and God's attributes. So God never calls himself a one-eyed, one-horned, blind, purple people eater, but God does use different language to help us understand all the different dimensions of God. While God transcends our language, God uses our language to get to know us truly right where we are. Let's look at Genesis. From the very beginning, God gives us a picture of who God is. God says in Genesis 1:27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. When we look at this, the creation story describes that God created us in God's image. God is both male and female. God has both male and female attributes. When, when God teaches us that in scripture, 
He is showing us that the masculine and the feminine is both equally good. And that we get to live out our masculinity and our femininity to his glory because he gave it to us because that is part of who God is. So because God is neither male nor female, but both, we as God's children made in God's image can appropriately relate to God as both God our father and God our mother. Male and female, he created them in his image. We see God reinforce God's desire to celebrate femininity through the prophets. To his people in times of great peril and isolation, God reveals his deep desire to relate to God's children as a maternal figure. In Isaiah, God says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I, God, will not forget you. And Jesus, during his ministry, as a man, touched on the maternal heart of God as he wept over Jerusalem. Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. You know, we say that we are misfits finding our identity in Christ, and so we need to pay special attention to when Jesus emphasizes something about the heart and the character of God. Even if it makes us really uncomfortable, even if it challenges our traditions. And in this moment, Jesus is celebrating that maternal, feminine heart of God. That there is something protective and fierce and kind and good when we think of God as, as our Father. And we know that this is okay when we look at Jesus because Hebrews 1.3 teaches us that Jesus was the exact representation of God and God's full radiance here on earth. And so if Jesus thought it was important to elevate and celebrate the feminine, then I want to think it's important to elevate and celebrate the feminine and engage with God as both Father God and Mother God. Now, I know that we don't explicitly see calls to pray to Mother God in Scripture, and I think that might be a hang-up for some of us. You know, and it can give us a bit of a pause, and that makes total sense. But let's look at the context which the Bible was written. It was a patriarchal culture that viewed the masculine as better or more trustworthy than the feminine. God desires to make all things right. And when our culture gets it wrong, we as kingdom people bring a new way of living and being. God desires that every person, masculine and feminine, male and female, know that they are worthy and know that they are good. And when a whole population of creation feels dismissed, that's when we come in and we start to change the way we think about engaging with that language and maybe be countercultural and possibly use the feminine for God. So peacemaking, or reconnecting with God, and calling God my mother was a desire to push off all those cultural practices that exclude people or participate in the oppression that excludes people. And this is one practice that we can do together. We can practice opening ourselves up to God as mother, to say that there's more dimensions and nuance and goodness and things to find in God. That neither male nor female is better, both are good because they come from a good, good God. Because the truth is, Mother God is not intended to ever replace Father God, but perhaps expanding our view of language can not only help us understand the bigness and the beauty of God, but can also benefit those who have never had a father to relate to. So getting my brain around 
think praying to Mother God. Help me see that there's so many good things. For me, even though I had a good father, I know that praying to a father God for some who have gone through trauma just kind of reinforces that when they should be connecting with a God who truly loves them. And so it's a practice of loving others when we allow ourselves to connect with God as both mother and father. So I got my brain all around it, right? I spent some time kind of getting the scriptures and thinking through the theology and reading through theologians who really encourage us as kingdom people to change the way we talk about God, to be more inclusive and open and willing. But I had to get my heart around it. And that's where my year of praying to God came in. You know, prayer for me was always one of those overwhelming things. Like, I, my tradition basically taught me that the louder you pray and the and the stronger you pray, and the uh, more confident in scripture you pray, then you're actually gonna get God to do what you want him to do. But this prayer for me, I couldn't say, oh God, you're a mother, 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 mother. And that actually being really true for me, I had to be quiet, and I had to be, I had to slow down, and I had to allow God to mother me. Like when an infant is welling her heart out and her mother places her on her chest and soothes her, Praying to Mother God was God's practice of shushing me, of holding me and rocking me, of slowly letting me see who God could be to me. And that is the only way, and the only way that I can actually get to that slow place is through imaginative prayer. So the rest of this sermon, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tell you about the four um, ways that I kept praying to God where I felt God meet me in that, in that quiet shushing space. And every single time, God used my own experience with my mother to remind me and show me how God wanted to mother me. So where's the tissue? Because I'm gonna talk about my mama. I'm gonna talk about how God became my mother God and how I'm gonna pray for God to become yours. So when this happened, it happened in October. And so it was the, it was the fall and and I called this season my season of skinned knees and broken hearts because God became my comforter. The passage uh, in Isaiah 66, 13, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem, was one that I kept praying over and over again. And see, here's what I've noticed. is when we have a big aha moment, like, oh God, I'm going to do this huge thing for you. You think that you're going to start it and all of a sudden it's going to be trumpets and bells and, it, and you're going to have aha moment after aha moment and it's going to be like fire come down from heaven and it's just going to be so exciting and that's just not how God rolls. God asks you to do some big thing and then there's always a season of quiet, of waiting, of nurturing something new within you. And the season that I had to be in was the season where God showed me that God wanted to comfort me. And it was an extremely quiet season because I was just coming out of a toxic church, y'all. I was coming out of a space where I didn't fully trust the church. I didn't fully trust Christians. I didn't even fully trust myself as a believer. And as I was thinking about this scripture and letting the Holy Spirit allow me to use my imagination as I was thinking about how God could mother me in a comforting way, I had this picture of my mom. And my mom used to do this thing. She wasn't a touchy-feely mom, but she was, she, she was very thoughtful about her words. And so whenever one of us was upset, like my mom wasn't the one like, oh baby, and like touching and give a little rub, give a little pat, like that was not mom. But my mom always got down right on our level whenever we were suffering and she would say, look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes. 
And we would, when we would look her in the eye, she would say, you're okay. I'm here. And that picture of God being the kind of God that says, look me in the eyes. I see you. I'm taking time to get down on your level and see exactly where you are. You're okay. You're here. I'm comforting you. That is God's desire for us when we need comforting. Because sometimes we don't, we don't necessarily want someone to come fix it. We just want somebody to see us in our suffering, to come down to our level and say, you're not alone. I'm here. Look me in the eyes. I'm staying. And so that season of skinned knees and broken hearts and wondering, like, how does God comfort me in the midst of this? was a season of God giving me, re -give, giving me dignity and saying, I'm going to look you in the eyes. I'm going to be with you. I remember once with my mom, as I was praying and thinking about God looking me in the eyes, I had this one picture where I didn't get into the college I wanted to, and my mom said to me, like I was standing in the kitchen and we were drinking our coffee, and I started crying because this was the college that we had all decided that I was supposed to go to. Like this was the college that was going to set me up to be a lawyer. This was the college that, you know, like, they seeked me out, like apply, and then I didn't get in, like what's going on, and I'm crying and crying and crying. And my mom stopped and she, she said, look me in the eyes. And I said, okay, but she said, you're okay. You're gifted. You're gonna be all right. You'll find another path. This is not the end of the road for you. And when I had that picture, I, I immediately knew, like, just because I was a part of a church that didn't work out, doesn't mean I will never be a part of another church. But it's okay. There's a new path, and God sees me. So that, that fall, that first part of praying to God was accepting God as my comforter. So then the winter comes. And winter was a season of restlessness and resting, and learning to be simply loved by God, our mother. So everybody was like so worried about my family when we moved here. Like people prayed for us not to move here. Like people were like, do we need to go fund me for like winter gear for the moors? Like what's going on? Because Minnesota winters don't play. And, <laughs> and nobody was more frustrated and worried about me than my mom. And so I called my mom to tell her, like, we're moving to Minnesota. And she said, Shiki, which was my nickname, are you sure? And I said, yes, yes, I'm okay. I'm sure, like, I really want to go to Minnesota. I really want to be in the winter. And this is why. Winter has always been that season that forces me to stop forces me to slow down, forces me to look internal. Winter is when I stop striving and it's when I set realistic expectations. Winter forces me to pay attention to the weather and to allow myself to interact with the weather that I have no control over. Winter is when I walk slower and I drive slower because it's safer and I cook slower things, even in the Instant Pot, which takes longer than we expect all the time, <laughs> all the time. When I think about loving God as my mother in winter, I think about the fact that I don't have to earn God's love, that I can slow down and pay attention to what's going on inside of me, that God's not paying attention to all the things that I produce and put out because the, the weather won't let me produce the things I want to produce. God enters into that slow, quiet place internally because we love because he first loved us. We love because Mother God first loved us. 
And I think that this is so true with so many moms. Like, we love our kids no matter what they do. They run around at Target and knock stuff down. They act a fool. We love them still. They get a bad grade at school and they come home. We love them still. They, they mouth off as they're walking upstairs. We love them still. And I think this is so true of that winter season that no matter what I did, I could never, I could never lose God's love. That I could always know that God is for me. That God's extravagant love is shown because we are simply loved by God, right as we are. There's nothing we have to do to earn it. And I wonder how many of us kind of feel like that, like we have to earn God's love, that we have to produce something. I will tell you this, when I used to pray, Father God, Father God, Father God, attached to God was this, Father God was this expectation of doing something great for his kingdom and his glory and proving my worth showing up every single time. And I knew Father God loved me. I knew the prodigal son was a story of God's love for us, but I also knew that God was this big God who has this kingdom that's coming to earth, and I just want to make God the Father proud. But in the winter, when I started praying to God, my mother, I started to know that there's nothing that I could do to make my mother love me more, and there's nothing I could do to take that love away. So then we moved on to spring. So I'm comforted by God. And now I know that I'm simply loved by God. And so most of the hurt from that church experience was, was sifting away. And, and this is, again, when God gives us a big you know, uh, thing to do, like God shows us something new, and we have that season of quiet awaiting. Before we know it, like start, things start happening, and we start responding, and we start having aha moments. And then it's like, oh, God, like this is exactly the thing that you've been wanting for me to have. And so the last two seasons were when I finally got to see how all this internal work was working out in my external life. So then spring comes, and I start to think about how I am seen by God our mother. And the scripture that really helped, that I held close to during that season was Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her rest and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I, God, will not forget you. You know, the question I hear so often from people when they think about the love of God and they say, okay, fine, like, God simply loves me. That's great and everything. But, like, does God really, like, know who I am? Like, I'm a hot mess. Does God love me in my hot messery? Um, the question I hear is, does it matter? Does, do I matter to God? Right in my am, is, is God always trying to push me to be more? We desire to know God and be known or we desire to know and be known. And we can see this in our Instagram posts or our reality TV show appearances or that desire to kind of just like show off like that new thing that we got or that aha moment we have. Look at my accomplishments. See that I'm worth something. See that I'm contributing. And at the core of all this striving is, is uh, one major question. Like, does anybody really care about like me? Like, who I am? So like, I totally get that like, God loves us, and we are simply loved by God, and prodigal son, and all that, woo-woo, but like me, like who I am, like the fact that I watch Bachelor on Monday, which I do. Like, <laughs> does God care about who I am, just the person I am? We often say around here that we are misfits because we either don't fit in, we're either too much or not enough in some context, and so we don't know where we belong. And yet, this picture of God is a God who sees us, 
as a mother sees the baby at her breast, is one that we need so deeply in the season of people asking, do I matter? And when I think about this, when I was doing that imaginative prayer, slowing down, letting God shush me around this, I had this memory of my mom. Okay, so like nursing was the worst. Like I, will, like I had the hardest time nursing my children. So much so that when I found out I was pregnant with Trinity, I was like, I'm not even gonna do it. I had mastitis which is like a flu-like infection, and we have problems latching and production, and I was just like, I just can't do this. Like, my body is betraying me. I cannot nurse this baby. And so I called my mom, who was like a rock star and nursed all four of her kids, even into her 40s, and I was like, I don't think I'm doing this thing right. Like, my body is like, I, I, something's not going on right in me. I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't know what to do. And I was like, I don't want to give my kids a bottle because everything says that's wrong. And I just want to have like that deep, intimate mommy connection and a bottle's not going to do that. And, and I said, I don't know what to do, mom. And my mom said, Oshita, look at me. Or actually, we were on the phone. She said, listen to me. Because when, we, when I moved, her look at me turned into listen to me. So she would say, listen to me. And she used that same voice that she used when I was a kid. So I knew like I got to pay attention. And she said, the thing about nursing, Oshita, it's not whether or not your body does the thing you want it to do, but it's that you take the time to hold your baby close and see them right as they are. You look at them and you see everything about them. You see the little scar in their face, and you see the, the point on their head, and you see the nose that your husband has. You see them and you start to dream about them. And she said, this is what it means to be a mom, that you take time to see. So don't worry about nursing the right way. Worry about seeing your children. And so as I think about God our, Father, our God, our mother, seeing us, as a mother looks down and sees the baby, God sees us just as we are. We are fragile and we are human, but we are beautiful. God looks at us with the compassion of a mother and a fierce protectiveness of a mother. And so God, our mother, sees us right where we are. And then the last thing, the last season, was gather around the campfire. We are empowered by God, our mother. So I noticed that when I thought about God the Father throughout this whole season, I didn't pray to God the Father, but as I would think about it, I would say, what is it about God the Father that really bothers me? And I realized that it's toxic masculinity. It's that bravado and braveness and machismo and prove your worth that masculinity can sometimes come with it that I projected onto God. And when I think about fire, when I think about the summer, I think about campfires and spending time around the fire pit, seeing each other across uh, the bonfire and really like having this experience where we're warmed by the fire but warmed by community. Summer is that time where fire actually like is joyful and fun for me. But when I think of God connected to fire, I think of that consuming fire that burns us up, that is angry at us, that strips away everything from us. And that is scary. And I realized that the scariness was because of toxic masculinity. And so what I had to do in that summer was really like look at all the ways that I felt like God was a little scary. And turn to Mother God and say, I feel scared about this and let Mother God speak to that. But there's this one picture about the fire, one thing that came from the fire that I, saw, that I came across in Exodus 13. 
By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. So while I got rid of all that toxic scariness around fire, fire is still a picture that we use for God, and it reminded me of a time when my mom, when I was praying and thinking about God, my mother, and then thinking about my mom, that my mom uh, recognized that my sister and I were having a huge fight. See, like, I would stay up really late at night and read, and my sister and I shared a, a, a room, and so she was always mad at me because I was always flipping the lights on to finish reading. Like, she literally tried to smother me like three times, y'all. Like, it was her really room. And so my mom, my mom made this rule where she said, no more reading in bed. And so she took all my books, and, and she was, like, trying so hard to prevent us from fighting at night with the, uh, over the lamp. And so I was standing in the checkout with my mom once, and I was like, okay, listen, mom, like, I have this book that I got from the library. I can't renew it. I'm not done with it, and I just really need to read tonight. Like, can you please, like, let me read tonight? And my mom looked past me, and she saw a flashlight, and she said, grab that flashlight. And we took it home. And she sat down with me and my sister and she said, Oshita, I'm going to give you this flashlight so that you can read. Because you love reading and you love books and I don't want your sister to smother you anymore. So, can you promise to not use this flashlight and glare it on your sister's face, but only use it to read? And I was like, well, she smothered me, so I think she gets like one or two glares. Like, that's only fair. But I took the flashlight and I stayed up and I read that book. And as I was thinking about God, being a pillar of light to us, empowering us, and, and leading the Israelites to the promised land, to the next good thing, by use of fire, I thought of that flashlight because my mom gave me the thing that I needed to flourish. My mom gave me the thing that I needed to do the thing that I wanted to do, that I was made to do. She turned to my sister and said, you just watch, one of these days, words are gonna mean a big deal to your sister, so she needs to read as much as possible. Roots, we are at a place in our life as a community that we're asking God for big questions. We're asking God, what's next? We want God to show us, to illuminate the next thing for us. And God, our mother, empowers us by showing us what's ahead of us, by giving us what we need. Like my mother gave me a flashlight. Like God showed up as a pillar of fire. God, our mother, empowers us because God, our mother, sees the good of us. So as I close, praying to Mother God, came and went fast. And it, and it worked, and as I slowly worked back the Father God language into my prayer life, I noticed that all that toxic masculinity and all that fear and all that anxiety just melted away. And isn't this the gospel? That God made God's self accessible and real to me, just like God made God's self accessible and real to us by coming in the form of a man. There's nothing more accessible than a man who was baptized and fed and touched and tortured. And there is nothing more real than a man who touched those on the margins and honored women as intellectual equals and cared for his own mother while he hung dying on a Roman cross. My mother, my year of praying to Mother God, showed me the love of Jesus and the realness of God in a way that I could never have if I kept praying Father God. But as I close, one more way that Mother God showed up for me in the past was when my mom passed and I was sitting outside on my deck and I was like, God, I feel so untethered. I miss my mom so much. Every moment, every day, I miss my mom. And I don't think I belong to anyone in the world anymore. The one person who was my biggest cheerleader, the one who was my mother, is gone. 
And I remember God taking me back to that place that Sunday after that liturgy. And God said to me, if you need me to be your mother, I will be your mother now. And so Mother God shows up for us when we need Mother God to be for us. God, Mother God will show up to, for us as an empower, as a comforter, as one who sees us, and one who loves us simply because we are. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a closing time. We're going to sing a song or hear a song, and I want you to reflect on maybe the ways that God can be mother to you. Do you need God to see, Mother God to see you right as you are, in your hot messery, in your quirks, in your specific giftings? Do you need Mother God to empower you for the next thing? Do you need Mother God to simply love you? Do you need Mother God to comfort you? As this song plays, think about that, and then we're going to close with a community prayer.